Imagine being a parent and learning that your child has an illness that will affect both of you for the rest of your lives. Take her to the pediatrician. He checked with a simple finger prick, saw her blood sugar was through the roof and said, your daughter has type one, go to the emergency room right away. Rushed down there and scary, right? There's a lot of information you need to know. It's the only disease known to man where you are making multiple dosing decisions every day with a drug that can kill you. What would you do if this were you? Today's guest is John Henry, and he'll tell us how his situation made him step up as a parent, shift his career, and redefine his commitment to service. Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. In this series, I'm talking with members of the Crummer community and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best career and business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. This season of Crummer Connections is focused on examining service as we meet with Rollins and Crummer alumni who are serving the Crummer community as well as the community at large. Today's guest is John Henry, Executive Director of the MyCare Connect Foundation and current Vice President on the Rollins College Alumni Board of Directors. His background is in business technology solutions with a focus on transforming healthcare through mobile platforms and innovative communication. He's also a graduate not only of the Crummer School in 1992, but also of Rollins College as an undergrad graduating in 1990. Our first segment is called Service is Personal, and it lets us understand our guests' personal motivations for leading and serving. John Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Thanks for being here. I want to make sure our listeners know you currently serve as the Vice President of the Rollins College Alumni Board of Directors. And I want to just start by asking, John, what's your philosophy of service? And what does it mean to you to serve others? Absolutely. Well, I'll take a cue from Mr. Rogers. He was inspired by the Life is for Service plaque there on campus. And, you know, I think everyone can bring something to the table. You know, the key is figure out how to get to the table first, right? You know, whether you're a student graduating and you're not sure you want to do, there's service year opportunities. If you're in a job, you know, seek opportunities to serve others, be giving of your time, okay? And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the long Harvard study on happiness and social interactions have proven that's what makes you happier and healthier. And I did find a factoid, 50% of Americans are lonely. They have no meaningful connections. And so there's a cure. Let's just go out and, and give of your time. Now, John, do you, would you say that you always knew this or you sort of happened upon it uh, over the course of your life? Where did this philosophy come from for you? Uh, uh, kind of a mix. I, I knew through volunteerism in my family and some things I did undergrad, I, I got great reward. Uh, but, but, you know, then you get busy in the, in my career, I've had opportunities to volunteer my time. And, you know, then it resonated that that's what makes you happy at the end of the day. It's inspiring. Um, all right. So we also have some listeners who 
are out there in the Crummer community, maybe Rollins alumni, maybe Crummer alumni as well, who want to understand better what the alumni board of directors for Rollins College does. Yeah, Tell us ab more. Absolutely. So there's two dozen of us. There's also two student representatives. And so we span seven decades, you know, and a variety of careers uh, across the board, as you can imagine. So the purpose it serves, we're really supporting advancing the Rollins mission. And they have strategic initiatives, you know, there's a plan and it's always revisited and always constantly evolving. So we actually partner with a couple groups, the Office of Alumni Engagement, and then the Division of Institutional Advancement. And we serve as ambassadors, you know, and advocates of their programs, right? They have engagement programs, volunteerism programs. There's lifelong learning. We need to let our alumni know about these. In fact, I'm auditing a Crummer class this fall in social entrepreneurship. So I'm excited that we have these opportunities, but we need to be those ambassadors and advocates and let our alumni know of all these great things happening at Rollins and Crummer. And just to take it one step further, because I'm kind of concrete and practical when I want to be, uh, <laughs> what, when, you, when you see the work come to fruition, what is the evidence? What, what do you see? What do you hear that you know that you're making a difference? When you oh see my gosh. Wow. Let me tell you. They, they, they don't do anything lightly. Every program, every initiative has metrics and ways to gauge impact. We're in the middle of gauging alumni thoughts through a survey, right? And, and so some of these programs that we, we help support, you know, we're collecting data and, and we're able to, to really see, you know, our, what are we doing right? What can we do differently? So there's really data behind a lot of it. That's how we know there's proof in the pudding there. People are so happy like that show up to events and they're so thankful that there is this alumni group. You know, we had a tornado come through Dallas. It was a big deal. I know it got national news and, and I found an alumnus that was right in the path and reached out to him and he could not believe that Rollins cared. You know, I was like, yeah. what can I do to help? Do you need anything? So, you know, we are really ambassadors and advocates of these programs. For those alumni out there who are interested in actively volunteering and getting engaged, it, it's not just the board of directors. There are other ways that they can participate in the Crummer, or excuse me, in the Rollins community. What options do they have? Yeah, just all through the Office of Alumni Engagement. That the, These are the programs that we're shooting out to everybody and saying, hey, do you want to be a mentor? We have this new mentorship program. Click here. Um, if you call the school and say, I know somebody that was looking for interns, right, uh, in their legal practice, call the school. We'll make it happen. Uh, it's, it's just doing that reach out. But but half the battle is letting them know these are the three or four or five opportunities to engage with the school as, as an alumnus. Excellent. We're going to make sure that uh, everybody out there knows what their options are so that we can help them get involved. John, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to dive into your backstory so that we can better understand your early business influences. So John, where were you born and raised? I am from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
Okay, the city or the suburbs? The city. I, I that, on my birth certificate it says Philadelphia, so I have to type that out all the time. Right in the city. And yep. what generation do you identify with? Well, I'm technically Gen X, but I'm always trying to identify with Y and Z since I have younger kids. <laughs> but always, and that's that's a challenge. I, I find that fascinating that you try to identify with younger generations. Uh, I think that's everyone's ongoing challenge. Um, tell us what your parents' occupations were. Yeah, my father, he was in the paper industry his whole life, 50 years. Um, the last company and the longest company he was with was International Paper, the behemoth. Uh, my mother actually graduated from Rollins in 55. She went on to Columbia and got her master's in English. Gosh, she worked at a bank. I remember she taught at a special education school. And then we moved from Philadelphia to Florida in 1980. Gosh, she worked actually at Rollins in an administrative role in the president's office at that time, Thaddeus Seymour. But her, her passion was the Winter Park Arts Festival. She loved working on that. So there's some of that volunteerism. Uh, I was going to say, how did your parents influence you? What did you observe them doing that you think rubbed off on you that you continue to do? The strong work ethic. I mean, just committing the time, being there. Um, I'm a really punctual person. Uh, <laughs> I think my parents were. Um, so really, you know, and they, they had a, a variety of, of roles. They moved around um, and did different things. So, yeah, just working hard, having that good work ethic was, at least for my parents, you know, what influenced me. Although I did, you know, I wanted to be in business, you know, for myself. Uh, you know, I didn't want to wear a suit and tie. Okay, well, let's go there. So uh, <laughs> you said Generation X, I'm making an assumption, you were an undergraduate student in the 1980s, sometime during that decade. Yes. And what was your undergraduate major? Political science. And I did study French. I did a semester abroad in, what in was, France. What was your career aspiration at that young age? I didn't have any. I, I wasn't aggressive in my job hunt, I'll be honest. And that's really what, why I decided to get my MBA. It was either law school or uh, go get my master's. And uh, the LSAT was a little tougher than the GMAT. So okay. <laughs> I, I really hadn't decided. I didn't know. And I think a lot of kids today don't know. In fact, if you know, you know, that's such a blessing. It's rare. You're on your trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. So I decided to get, you know, my MBA there in, in 1990. And when, by the time you were studying for your MBA, did you start to develop an interest in something? You know, I really liked the marketing. My favorite class actually was a law class, of course, which they offered back then. I don't think they do that today. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I still was kind of searching, like, how can I do something on my own? Right. And, and I'll be honest, the job market in 1990 was awful. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have been better off in 88, but 90 was bad. I was interning at IBM while I was at Crummer. You know, and I've, I'll be honest, hated computers, didn't get it, wasn't my thing. But, you know, I figured IBM would, would offer me a job. And so, you know, I just kind of 
kind of waited on that. I, I do remember I flew to Manhattan over spring break of my last year. A Rollins friend of mine worked there. His father was a C-level executive. Worked at IBM? No, no. And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, God, Manhattan. Um, yeah, for Merrill Lynch. Okay. So, and I had also interned at Merrill Lynch there on Park Avenue. Wow. Okay, wait, John, I'm going to ask cover? you to back up. Okay. Here's where we left off. You were interning at IBM. Yep. And you didn't care for computers. Yep. But you thought they would give you a job. So we, we got that. What happens after that? Yeah. So I was doing that, but I, I took, I, I took an opportunity to go to New York. My friend said, Hey, come interview my dad. We, we've got this all worked out. You'll, you'll work with me on wall street. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I went there and, Oh my gosh, I'm going to sound awful. I hated it. The interview went horrible. <laughs> you know, I was questioning, you know, why do I want to work for the man? Right. IBM, Merrill Lynch, those were my, you know, internships. So, and I'll skip ahead, I guess, you know, as graduation neared, EDS came calling to Crummer. EDS was in a hiring mode back then. And okay, EDS, tell, everyone, tell everyone what EDS was. Yeah. Time. So, so, well, listeners may remember Ross Perot. Ross Perot founded Electronic Data Systems. Great. Computers again. But I, I took the job. You know, I was like, I got to take this. So I took a job. I was supporting one of their clients, which was a UK financial services outfit. Uh, their US operations were in Lansing, Michigan. So here I am, not big on computers was kind of disenfranchised a little bit with the high finance world. And now I'm doing both, right? <laughs> I make computers and I'm supporting a financial services organization. Luckily, I was on the business side. I was a, I was a business analyst. So I would be able to tr have to translate the business requirements of this organization and work with the techie guys to, to make it happen. So now just out of curiosity, once you got into it, there was something about it that you loved. What did you love about it? Well, first and foremost, I loved the team environment. You didn't work in isolation. So you worked with, you know, your client, you worked with other business analysts in your own company, you worked with leadership. I got the opportunity to sit in C-level meetings and just absorb how that all works. So I grew to to appreciate what I was learning on a daily basis. It wasn't my thing. I, I knew ultimately that is not going to be my, my future <laughs> with an asterisk. We'll, we'll get to that later, which was computers and high finance. But, but again, I was on the business side, learning great skills. Um, you had to do presentations. So your speaking skills were getting more and more refined. Um, uh, little technical skills, and then certainly a ton of business skills. And as you think about this time in your transition from four years of undergrad, two years of graduate school, and finding your way into an early career, what advice would you have for people who are going through that transition themselves? Yeah, I, I, I would say the takeaway is just what happened to me. Hey, it's not going to be that perfect job but you gotta trust it's a springboard, it's a path. And whatever you're passionate about will happen with 
hard work and and time. So, you know, patience is a virtue. Uh, I had that work ethic inside of me to work hard and and it was it was trust. I just knew I would find that like like I said, hey, I, I didn't want to work for the man. I didn't want to wear a suit and tie. I'd prefer, you know, shorts and flip-flops. And that's what I'm wearing today. <laughs> so it all comes back. Sometimes I have to dress up, but <laughs> yeah, it comes back. So yeah, just 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 trust. Our guest is John Henry. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about his transition into creating the MyCare Connect Foundation. We'll be back in a moment. As a member of the Crummer community, you know that it's the people you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I wanna tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. And it's available right now. Please go to rollinsconnect.rollins.edu, check it out. And if you need someone to connect to, connect to me, JB Adams. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Karma Connections. I'm JB Adams. Our guest is John Henry, Executive Director of the MyCare Connect Foundation and current Vice President on the Rollins College Alumni Board of Directors. Before the break, we were chatting about uh, John's early business influences and his transition into the world of work. And now we're going to learn more about his professional journey. So John, first of all, we just want to know what is MyCare Connect? What does it do to add value? My Care Connect was born out of a, a need, right? My six-year-old daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, you know, some of the signs might be sluggishness, weight loss. Um, you know, our, our daughter was sleeping a lot and had been losing weight. Mm -hmm. And one, one day she um, fell asleep on the couch and, you know, we just went to the bathroom, you know, released urine. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, this isn't right take her to the pediatrician. Luckily, we had a great pediatrician. He checked with a simple finger prick, saw her blood sugar was through the roof and said, your daughter has type one, go to the emergency room right away. I was at work. I remember getting that call and uh, rushed down there. And, you know, then, then the future is, again, I'll start from the beginning. It's scary, right? There's a lot of information you need to know. It's the only disease known to man where you are making multiple dosing decisions every day with a drug that can kill you, right? So, you know, you've got to record your blood sugar every time you put food in your mouth and sometimes in between six, seven, eight times a day, right? And then you're counting every carbohydrate that goes into your body. Those are the two pieces of data that you know that tells you how much insulin to take, right? right and now, it, it, small me, doses. I, yeah. Forgive me, I'm going to interrupt again. When That's enough information to frighten you as a full-grown adult <laughs> when you're a parent of a six-year-old child and you know this child can't figure out those decisions on his or her own. So what, what is, what is going through the mind of a parent who gets this diagnosis and realizes this is going to change our entire lives? Well, I always say this. I mean, I guess we were fortunate because my daughter doesn't remember what life was like before type one. Um, and that is a close age, you know, so those that are older than that, it's such a curveball to have to 
do this for the rest of your life. And you can't do it alone. It is a team that you have to surround yourself. That's the number one thing we we coach parents on is, you know, now all of a sudden the school nurse is an integral person in your life, right? Or school personnel in general, mm -hmm. friends, family members, they all have to be educated. Mm -hmm. And so when you surround yourself with people that understand and look, children want to do all this on their own, right? They want to. And the goal as a parent and the goal of an endocrinologist is self-management. I guess that's a buzzword mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, ultimately, your kid's going to leave the home and they better have the tools and know how to do it, how to manage themselves. So, so again, if they're pretty young, you know, the burden becomes the parents and the school nurse to document all of that data. And you've got to record that. It's actually done with paper and pencil, even to this day, where you're recording it on paper. You're diagnosed when you leave the hospital, they hand you a stack of paper and say, okay, you got to record all this and then fax it. And so every three months, when you have type one as a child, you go in every three months for more in-depth blood work. They look at your data. Mm -hmm bring data, and then they're able to adjust your insulin. Because as you grow, there are different requirements for insulin. Your body needs typically more as you grow. So without it, without that data, the, the doctor is working with nothing, right? It's just a guess. And so what was, what was the inception of the opportunity? Absolutely. So I, I, I use this phrase often, necessity is the mother of invention. So my wife, Pam, she gets all the credit. She said, hey, there's got to be a better way than this paper and pencil. So give me some time to think about it. And she documented a very rudimentary form of going out on the internet to a website, logging that data and pressing enter. And upon hitting enter, Mom and dad are instantly notified via text and or email. So, and I, I really am simplifying this, but it solved our problem. It solved the school nurse's problem. You know, when the school nurse in the middle of the day has a question, trying to track a parent down, and in many cases saying, ah, it's not that important. She told us that, our school nurse, like, hey, I would want to ask you a question, but I didn't want to bug you. You're both busy professionals. Well, no, you bug us, find us. Well, now we had a tool, right? So, and that really at the end of the day, we always like to say this, we no longer greeted our daughter, Sarah, at the door when she came home from school with, where's the note from the nurse? Where's your logbook? You know, how was your day with diabetes? And we didn't realize we were doing that. All parents do that, even to this day, um, unless we can intervene with our foundation. So, so yeah, we built this platform, and then we decided to go to Children's Dallas and say, wow, this kind of took hold in our school district. Now we have four or five people on it. We've kind of enhanced it a little bit. You know, why not offer this to every patient that comes through your door? Right. And would you say that the emphasis was more on just helping families that had type 1 diabetes than it was making a profit or making money? 
I'm glad you asked. It was free. It was a free model. Look, free. My, my, my idea was, you know, we've got to get a lot of people on this to prove it has utility, mm -hmm. right? A usefulness. So, you know, then once we know, then we can consider charging. Yeah. Okay. And it was right at this moment that EDS was purchased by Hewlett Packard HP. And as you would suspect during a recession and when a company takes over another company, they start cutting mm -hmm. jobs. <laughs> and so I survived about a year. And in 2009, it caught up to me. So here I am. I'm let go. Got an, a package that could keep me treading water for a little bit. So no job, great recession. Uh, my mother unexpectedly passed away. Venture capitalists weren't spending money. I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Remember, we were hustling with My Care Connecting and growing mm -hmm. it. And we partnered with a large pharmaceutical and expanded the business dramatically. They had deep pockets. We had a solid revenue stream without having to charge families. I was able to hire five people. We, we were. And I'd be remiss. My wife and I are equal partners in this. So she 100% is, is part of this. So we hired five people. Uh, we were able to, at that time, build an iPhone and Android companion app mm -hmm. of the web-based system. So now the power was in people's hands, right? We could now give this to kids that had phones. And trust me, Kids had phones, you know, you, you, a 10 year old has a phone yeah. uh, a lot of times. So that was perfect because really we want to empower kids to be able to self-manage. And so that was a, a, a turning point, that partnership, right? Um, I just want to say you impressed me as someone who's very committed and passionate. And this company is personal for you. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. It's my wife and I have talked to so many families and, and made that impact. We can have the data and we know uh, with, with metrics, but hearing from people, getting letters from people, small donations. We do a fundraiser once a year in November. It is personal to us. And what advice would you give to somebody who is out there working a full-time job and who has this project on the side that's personal to them? What would you say to that person? Well, you, you said it's personal. Passion is the secret ingredient. They already have it. So, and, and I'm not saying your passions can change. I, I knew I had a passion for uh, giving back, but my passion changed and became hyper-focused on type one. And I, I would also, like I echoed earlier, patience really is a virtue. Don't expect that it's going to happen. Give of your time now, but just be patient. And I, I hope I also was able to tell you that be prepared to pivot mm -hmm. and, and, and change um, and really perseverance. This is a story of perseverance. You know, so those are all the secret ingredients. Um, I actually realized those are all things with the letter P, passion, patience, pivot, and perseverance. Well, um, I wrote those company down. values. Oh, my Lord, yes. <laughs> so, But that really is um, advice for anybody who's trying to find their way and has a passion. I, and feel free to reach out to me. I'm part of the network. Well, you actually just sort of provided our conclusion. So 
I mean, we could ask you your advice. You just gave it to us. So I'm going to say, <laughs> uh, John, is there anything further that you would like to share with the Crummer community today? Yeah, I, I would reiterate, use the Rollins network, reach out. And again, I'm just going to say it again, give of your time and be patient. It will come. Excellent. John Henry, thank you so much for joining us on Crummer Connections and for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for giving me the platform. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Crummer Connections podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. If you like this show, follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Our showrunner is Kyle Sawyer, with production assistance by Rachel O'Brien and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.